Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen, and we hope that this blesses you in some way. Amen, amen, and the church said. Amen. Big thanks to Mr. Josh Karras on the piano this morning. Like, I got the Josh part down, but K-A-R-A, I thought, is it Karras, Karash, Karras, and I never did ask, and then he fixed me. So, thank you so much for being here with us this morning, Brother Josh. As we gather here for the first Lord's Day of 2023, amen? amen. Give yourselves a hand, you made it through 2022. <laughs> Those of you who were here last night will understand uh, those of you who weren't, you missed it, uh, but closing the service today will be our winning group from last night, uh, Nanny and the Nanettes will be singing a startling rendition of Don't Stop Believing, so uh, those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, come next year and you'll know what I'm talking about, so uh, it was a wonderful time last night. Uh, all who came, I think, had a good time. If you didn't, that was, that was your fault, not ours, because uh, the rest of us had a good time. But it was a great time celebrating, uh, a great time at the end. You know, I always love the, the prayer service at the end. Uh, the crowd dwindles down as the evening goes, which is completely understandable. But uh, praying in the new year is a sweet way uh, to begin. Uh, even if Hulu and Dick Clark's Rockin' Eve can't get me on the right time for the countdown, uh, I'm about a minute off from when it actually happens. So we celebrate the new year at 12.01 uh, at Rocky Valley, for those of you who didn't know that. Uh, unless you're Gary Renfro. And then you celebrate on Greenwich Standard Time at 9 p.m. You enjoy the new year. So, uh, but uh, anyway, it is wonderful to be here this morning, it is so good to be in the house of the Lord, because praise the Father, praise the Son, and praise the Spirit three in one. God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of kings, and what a picture of Revelation chapter 21 that is, as we gather, praising the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit face to face where he will dwell among us and we will know him and he will know us. The scripture says that we will know each other, which means that for the first time ever, this praise the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit won't just be something we think about. It'll be something we'll be about for an eternity. And I don't know about you guys, but that just gets me tore up from the floor up ready to go. I'm telling you what. All right. None of that was in the notes, by the way. You can start timing me now if you want to. But here we find ourselves, and I, I hope you already realize this, but if you don't, I'm going to go ahead and let you know this. We find ourselves at a date in time in which we've never been before and will never be again. Right? This is the first day of the new year 2023, and we are here in a place where we get the opportunity now to make a few decisions that are going to impact not just the next 51 weeks of our lives, but the rest of our lives with some of the decisions that we make. And so here we gather, and I want to tell you this, if, if you look back on 2022 and you say, man, it was probably my best year yet. Well, guess what? It's over. If you look back on 2022 and you say, man, this is one of the worst years of my life. Well, guess what? Well, it's over. And so you stand here at the beginning of the year 2023 recognizing that whatever has happened before 
it is now time that you move forward. And so that's what I love about New Year's. We get all these celebrations, and it's all about this renewal and this opportunity to move forward. Now, while as believers we understand that our renewal comes every day with the mercies of Jesus, we also stand from an action standpoint in a place where we can say, I'm going to put things into place that are going to impact my life and have my relationship with Christ this year. And so that's the title of this message this morning is New Beginnings for the New Year. New Beginnings for this New Year. And so I want to ask you if you're able to please stand in honor of the reading of the Holy Word of God from John chapter 14. And we'll pick up in verse 12 this morning as the scripture reads, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And if you love me, keep my commandments. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you, and we thank you for your word. Because, Father, we recognize from apart from your word, we have no hope. Father, apart from Jesus, we have no peace, no joy, as we have celebrated for the last month. But Father, as we come and gather on this New Year's Day, we stand in a, in a special opportunity to look not just at your word, but to live with your word in our lives in this new year and to put things into practice that we might glorify you and draw nearer to you. So God, it's my prayer. If there be any devil, any demon... Father, any spirit, any thought, any distraction that might hinder our worship of you through your word this morning, would you remove it now, God, that even now we would draw nigh to you and be changed. God, will give you the glory and the honor and the praise because you're worthy. And Jesus, it's in your saving name that we pray as all of God's people said, amen, you can be seated. Verse 12, we see this introduction of an idea and it is this it is that this year that always really in our lives but this year as we stand on this day there's something that we need to recognize and that is that there is a possibility for productivity a possibility for productivity you know one of the greatest topics that goes around in the workplace is how can we have more productivity with the people that we have how can we do more with the resources at our disposal so that we can have a higher level of productivity, which is really the name of the game, right? And verse 12 says, for those who believe in him, there is a potential not only to do the work that Brother Jason said you could do, not to do the work that your Sunday school teacher does. There's not a, a possibility of productivity to do the work that other Christians are doing, but the word of God says to do the work that Jesus is doing. And not only just the work that Jesus did, but a greater work even than Jesus did. You say, well, what in the world could that mean? I'm going to do things greater than Jesus. Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. How could I possibly outdo that? Well, some of you, despite your best thoughts about yourself, I want to inform you, you're not God and you couldn't save the world. And I know that's going to catch some of you by surprise. But when Jesus is saying this, we're going to explain here as we go what it means that we can do a work even greater than him. So let's consider a few things about this verse as we dive in. First, let's take a look at who Jesus is even talking about. He says, for he who believes in me, he who believes in me. And so we need to think about that for a second. 
There's a kind of productivity in serving the Lord that we're talking about here, and it isn't limited to the pastors of the churches. He's not limiting it to the deacons in the church. He's not limiting to those who stand up and teach small group activities in the church. He's not saying that it's for the media team in the church and those who are here doing above and beyond. He's not even saying that it's just the musicians and the singers in the church who are going to have this possible productivity. No, it has nothing to do with your assignment. He says it is expected of everyone who believes in Jesus. Everyone who is a believer, everyone who is a disciple, everyone who is a Christian has a possible productivity of doing the work of Jesus. It doesn't have anything to do with your assignment. Now, don't get me wrong. There are expectations that go with your assignments that you take on here in our churches today. If you're a Sunday school teacher, you're expected to teach Sunday school in a prepared manner. If you're an usher, you're expected to take up the offerings, to maybe to do some greetings here and there, and to do it in a, in a certain manner. Those on the stewardship committee will do certain things within the stewardship of the church's finances. But regardless of your assignment, if you have believed in him, there is an expectation of not just a work, but a great work. Let me say that again. There's an expectation not just of a work, but a great work for Jesus. It's not limited on your assignment. It's not limited on your age. That means the very youngest among us, if you are saved, if you are a believer in Christ, you can accomplish a great work for Jesus. You don't have to wait till you're old to serve the Lord. You don't have to wait till you have all the knowledge that you can accumulate over the next few years to serve the Lord. You don't have to wait till you're as old as mom and dad. Don't have to wait till you're as old as your grandparents. Don't even have to wait till you're as old as Brother Charles to serve the Lord. You can do a great work now, no matter your age. The youngest can do a great work. But can I just tell you the other side of the coin, the opposite end of the spectrum is just as true today as it ever has been. The oldest can do a great work as well. If your heart is still beating and your mind is still working, then God is not finished with you yet. Let me say that again. If your heart is still beating and there is still breath in your lungs, my friends, then God is not done with you yet. I know that you have served faithfully for a number of years. I know that you might get tired and weary at times of continuing to serve the Lord and to do these things in the church. But it is not time to trade in your 40 years of faithful service to the Lord for a spot at the KOA and camp your way to eternity. If you still have breath in your lungs, even the oldest among us have time to serve the Lord. You may be retired from your job in the secular world, but you don't retire from your job in the spiritual kingdom. He says, if you believe in me, no matter your assignment, no matter your age, if you believe in me, you have a great work still to do. But I've got good news for you, church, and this is going to really enable some of you. It ain't based on your assignment. It ain't based on your age. And let me tell you something else. It ain't even based on your ability. He said, Pastor, I don't have any real skill. I can't get up there and sing them songs like Katie sings, and so I can't serve the Lord. I can't teach that lesson like Brother Mark teaches, so I can't serve the Lord. I can't deacon like Brother Charles deacons, so I can't serve the Lord. I can't do this. I can't do that. I don't have this skill. I don't have 
this ability. I don't have this talent. I can't get people to gather around me and listen to me and let me lead them. I can't, I can't, I can't. Can I just tell you something, church? If God can use a donkey to correct a wayward prophet, then surely to goodness he can use a human being with breath in their lungs that loves him and is a called according to his purpose to serve his mighty works. And can I tell you something better, church? He don't need your talent, your ability. He don't need it. If he just needed your talent and your ability, I promise you there's people more talented and more able than you are from an earthly standpoint. What he needs is somebody who he's given a special talent, somebody he's blessed with a special ability. And my copy of God's word says it's not dependent on what I can do, but dependent upon what he can do and dependent upon what he's already done, that he has already numbered my days and he's already put my moments into account so that I can do what he has called me to do and that is to glorify him by serving him and doing a great work if he can use a sack lunch to feed a multitude if he can use some rough timbers to save the world then he can use me praise God he can use me and he can use you too it's not based on your assignment not based on your age Praise God, it ain't based on our ability. Can I tell you what stops too many of us from achieving this greater productivity, though? It is a little word right after that, he who believes in me. He says the what? The work. The work that I do. That's a funny little Greek word. It's the word ergon. In the Greek, it's translated to work most of the time. Some of you may have tools. You may hear like tools. I love tools. I don't like using them, but I like having them. I like knowing if I needed to, I could, right? Every once in a while, there's a new tool that'll come out. And I'll spend my time at Lowe's looking at that new tool. And while I'm looking at that tool, I'll think to myself about all the things that I could do with that tool. And you know the ones that really catch my eye is on the box. It'll have this saying. It'll say, more ergonomically designed for greater productivity. And for a long time, all I thought that meant was it was cooler than the old one. But I did a little studying on what it means. Ergonomically designed means literally it's designed to work better than the one before it. It's designed to work better. It said it is ergo work designed. It's, it's designed for a greater purpose. And so often this word ergon in the Greek is translated work. Sometimes it's translated as deeds. And so Paul describes the judgment seat of Christ in 1 Corinthians 3. And he says we will be evaluated based on our ergon, based on our deeds, based on the things that we've done. What have we done? Ephesians 2 says that we are saved by grace for our greater ergon. So we're saved by grace that we might do deeds. Not saved by deeds that we might find grace. Don't get it backwards. Saved by grace that we might then do deeds, do a work for the Lord. We weren't saved to do less and do nothing. We were saved that we might do more. And the reality is this, church. If we're going to be more productive for Christ in 2023, it ain't going to happen unless we're willing to get our spiritual fingers a little bit dirty. 
unless we're willing to get a little spiritual sweat on our brows, it's not going to happen. You say, Brother Jason, I just don't know that I have enough time. Well, I'm going to clue you into something about 2023 that you may not know yet. You are still going to have 24 hours in every day and 168 hours in every week. There's not going to be a new abundance of time that's going to show up. There's going to be a decision to be made about what you do with the time that you have. You don't get more time to serve the Lord. You get the time that you got to decide what you're going to serve. And you're going to make time for the things that are most important in your life, right? Where your heart is, where your time is spent, that's where your treasure is. And so is it going to be your family? Is it going to be your work? Is it going to be your hobbies? What's it going to be that gets your time in 2023? Is it going to be the Lord? I want to be clear about something as we move on, because Jesus says not only are we going to do works, we're going to do greater works. Not only the works that I do, he will do also, but greater works than these he will do. Now we're talking about a Jesus that caused the deaf to hear and the lame to walk, the dead to live and the storms to stop. He cleansed the leper. He cast out demons. He made a little girl who was dead come forth. He made his friend who was dead for days come out of the grave. He died himself that we might have life and have it more abundantly and defeated death, hell, and the grave on our behalf that we might have the resurrection power. So he's not saying that we're going to accomplish a more important work than he did when he says greater works. He's not saying we're going to do anything like that. Obviously, we know that he is the only way that salvation comes to humanity, and we can't compete with that. So we're not going to accomplish more in that way. But what Jesus is saying, I believe, is, is that he is located in one geographic area as he is doing the work that he is doing for the entire world. And what Jesus understands that perhaps his disciples didn't yet understand as he's teaching and what we have an understanding of as we look back a few thousand years later is that Jesus was about to send all of them on a gospel mission. The church was going to be scattered after his death. And as it scattered about, they were going to be preaching to more and more people. They were going to have bigger crowds. They were going to have new people to present the gospel to, which continues until the time in which he comes again to make this earth his own. And so this work was going to continue. I want to make it more practical for you. Charles Stanley has preached to more people than Jesus ever did. Billy Graham once preached to an estimated one billion people between those in attendance and those on television. His disciple, Peter, would preach to more people on the day of Pentecost than Jesus ever had in one recorded crowd for a sermon that he preached. Jesus never taught the preschool Sunday school class, but you can. Jesus never served in the children's church ministry, but you can. He never served in the technology team or on the building and grounds team, but you can. Like There are ways that we can serve and there are places that we can go and there are opportunities that we have at our fingertips that Jesus said, the world is essentially going to be this great big field that needs to have the gospel sowed into it. And you're going to have a great opportunity to go and serve this great 
big world. And so the question is this, what are you doing for the Father? I got good news. If 2022 wasn't your most productive year serving the Lord, if you're being honest and you sit down and you say, you know what? Had a lot of opportunities I didn't capitalize on. I didn't prioritize serving the Lord. Brother Jason talked about this committee or that committee. Or, or you know what? I know at church there's something that needs to be done. Brother Jason might not even realize that it's even a hole that needs to be filled. But I ain't really been to talk to him about it yet because I just wasn't sure I had the time, talent, or ability to do it. My friend, the good news is that has passed and you have a new opportunity today. And moving forward in this year, you have a new opportunity to serve the Lord in a greater way than ever before. So there is a productivity that is possible. But can I tell you something? It's only going to come when you have a more powerful prayer life. Jesus here is telling the apostles, he said, I'm going away. What does he say? Most assuredly I say to you, he believes in me. The works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Because I go to my Father. I'm going away. I've been with you. As long as you've known me, I've been right here beside you. As long as you've been following me, I've been right here beside you. But there's coming a time, and Jesus is foreshadowing, obviously, his death, his resurrection, his ascension to await his second coming. And Jesus says, I'm going away. There's coming a time where you're not going to be able to look beside you and see me. Coming a time where you're not going to have me here physically. I'm going away. But he gives them some words of comfort. He says, but when I go away, you'll still have access to me. And if you ask it in my name, I will provide it for you. First, he says a couple of things, but first is we have to ask. James tells us we don't have things because we don't ask for them. Even down to wisdom. He says, if you lacks wisdom, ask and it be granted to you. That sounds simple, but can I confess that quite often your pastor doesn't pray the way he ought to pray. He doesn't just say ask. He says ask in his name. That's much more than a tagline at the end of a prayer. In Jesus' name I pray. Jesus, it's in your name that I pray. That's a great tagline. That's how we teach our children to pray is that they pray in the name of Jesus or in the Lord's name that they pray. And that is a good practice and that is a biblical practice. But did you know, my friends, that you can say in Jesus' name I pray at the end of your prayer and everything you said before it still not be in his name? It can be as fake as the, the world is long. And so what does it mean to pray in Christ's name? Well, first, it means to pray something that is consistent with his will. Pray something that is consistent with his character. Pray something that is consistent with his nature. In other words, if I'm going to pray in Jesus' name, I ought to be praying something that Jesus would pray. Let me say that again. If I'm going to pray in Jesus' name, I ought to be praying something that Jesus might pray. Let, let me give you a little example. It wasn't too long ago that someone told me something about somebody who is a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine. Somebody told me something about him. And, and what they were telling me was a story about something that he did and something that he said and something that, that was going on. And when I heard the story, some of you are going to know something like this in your life. When I heard the story, I thought to myself, that don't sound like him. That don't really sound like something he would do. That's not consistent with his character. That's not consistent with something that I think I've ever heard him say. That's not a reaction that I have heard from this person. And so when they told me that, I thought to myself, that just don't seem 
right. Now, as is usually the case in these situations, once I gathered a little bit of info about how things went down and about some of the things that were said, I realized that what I was told about that person wasn't consistent with their character or the normal kind of way that they would react because quite honestly, it wasn't exactly how things had happened. It was a slanted rendition of the story, you might say. And so my inclination was correct. That didn't sound like something that he would do. It didn't sound like something that he would say. And I wonder to myself, how many times does our Father in heaven hear us utter some words and utter some thoughts and utter some prayers unto him and suddenly when we say, in Jesus' name I pray, the Father says, wait a minute, that don't sound like something my son would have said. That, that don't sound like something that my child would have said. That don't sound like what the Savior would say. To pray in Christ's name is to pray as Christ would pray. And can I just tell you something? The most sure way to pray something that's consistent with the character, the will, the way, and the style of Jesus is to preach what he said. Because what he said is contained in this copy of script that we have before us. It's why some of the, the most moving prayers that you might pray might sound something like this. God, you said in your word that if I would confess my sins to you, you would be faithful and just to forgive me of all of my sins and cleanse me of all of my unrighteousness. So God, I understand I can't cleanse myself and I need you, Lord, I need you. God, you said in your word that you would never leave me nor forsake me, but here I stand in the valley that feels like death's shadow and I don't know which way I'm going to go. And Lord, I just need a touch. I need a feel. I need a knowledge. I need a comfort. I need a strengthening, God. Well, I know you'll never leave me or forsake me. You said so in your word. God, be with me. God, I know. I know. I know. That my loved one doesn't know you. I know my friend doesn't know you. I know this person is lost as last year's Easter egg and has no understanding of Scripture. But Jesus, you said in your word that you came to seek and save those which were lost. And God, you commissioned me to be the one to share the gospel seed. So God, give me the wisdom, the way, and the opportunity to present your gospel. And I know that the harvest is yours. It's not mine to worry about. Those are the kind of prayers that when you utter those prayers and you say, and God, it is in your heavenly saving son, Jesus' name that I pray that God would say, that sounds like my son. That sounds like what my son would say. It gets even better though. In verse 13 and 14, Jesus says, if you ask me about this in these prayers, I'm going to do what? Well, let's just see what he said. If you ask it in my name, I'll do it. If you ask in my name, I'll do it. You pray to the Father in a way that is consistent with my will and my way and my character. You pray to the Father according to my word and what you ask, you will get. Now I can't even tell you how many people have taken these verses and launched into some fancy career preaching at some mega church using these verses to stand on some kind of name it and claim it movement. 
their theology is false. When you say that you have some kind of creative power with your words, when you say that you can somehow speak something into existence with your words, when, when you say that I'm going to, oh, it drives me insane. It was all over last night, too. All you had to do was blink, and you could have found it. From pastors that live in this county, it drives me insane. I want to take them to lunch and thump them in the head with a Bible. But it wouldn't do no good because they wouldn't read it on their own, so they ain't going to do them no good when I read it to them. But people who stand and say, boys, we're heading to a new year. Claim that 23 is going to be your financial freedom. Do you know how 23 is going to be your financial freedom? If you're air gone harder than you worked in 22 at the job that God has given you. That's where you'll get your financial freedom. If you'll quit borrowing money instead of paying off debt, that's where you're going to get your financial freedom. If you'll work harder and get another job, if you don't like the job you got, work harder at the two jobs you can get and use the skills that God has given you to air gone a little more, then 23 will be your year of financial freedom. But can I promise you this? If you stand and pray every moment of every day from now to the end of January that God would bring financial freedom and you never get off your blessed hind parts and go do anything that God has blessed you with an ability to do, you are not likely to receive a check for $5 million to claim your financial freedom by the end of January. If you do, come and let me know that my theology is wrong. But I can tell you this, my theology is based on the Word of God. And my copy of God's Word said he wasn't concerned with whether or not I had a million dollars in the bank. He was concerned with what I did with what I had that he had given me already. That includes my ability to get up and go earn a blessed dollar on my own. Drives me insane. And people are so weak that rather, than, listen, you want to know whether what I preach is true, look to what I preach it from. If I say something in error, come to me with the word of God and I'll tell you I'm sorry. I'll stand in the pulpit the following week and correct it because I never want to speak in error. But these guys that stand up and preach mess like this and people flock to them because they're saying what they want to hear. And the Word of God has something to say about that too. He says in the last days, they'll start saying things that tickle people's ears and they'll flock to it like moths to a flame. Because people would rather hear what they want to hear when somebody that says what they want to say instead of looking to the copy of God's Word to find out the truth. I'm going to claim good things in my life with my prayer. Well, if you get a chance, would you claim that Peking would fire the buffet up again? Because I miss it. I've been, amen, brother. All the sesame chicken and special lo mein, you can stand right there. I'm telling you what. Golly, egg rolls like nobody's business. I've been praying for that for three years. God ain't heard me yet. Might be because they got that little gold statue up on the stage when you get that. I don't know. Anyway, can I remind you of something? If you understand the Bible on prayer, you'll understand that the Bible and prayer says that it's not about you changing God's mind. Prayer is about you and me receiving God's mind. It's not about me telling God what I want. It's about me understanding what God wants. Jesus says, if you ask it in this way, 
If you ask it in my name, in my character, in my will, in my way, in other words, he's saying the same thing that's already been uttered in Psalms. Seek you first my will and my way, and then I'll give you the desires of your heart. If your heart is set on me, you're going to get what you want. But when your heart is set on you, you're going to find yourself short quite often. When I look at my prayer life, though, I must admit to you, 2022, I could have been a better prayer warrior. And if you're being honest, many of you would have to say the same thing. Can I tell you good news? We can renew again today. We can commit to each other. Let's pray for one another. Let's pray for each other. Let's pray for this church. Let's pray for the things this church does. And let's pray for the souls that get saved because of what God does in Rocky Valley Baptist Church. There's no reason why this year can't be our best year ever. It can be a year of great productivity. It can be a year through powerful prayer. But my friend, it's not just going to be that. It's only going to be this year if it comes through personal practice. Look at verse 15. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. The love of God is unconditional. But the psalmist in chapter 1 puts it pretty plainly for us. He said, blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law, he does meditate day and night. I love this. And he will be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water, and everything he does will prosper. The love of Christ is unconditional. The blessings are not. When I look to my own life and see the blessings and how often they come in spite of my failures, I'm amazed at how good God is. I am so thankful that he is a gracious God. In the literally, in the Greek, though, and I don't give a lot of Greek lessons. Maybe I give more than I think, because I said that one time. Somebody said, well, you do about one a week. Well, I can't help it. Sometimes when you look at it in the Greek and the way that it's written, it, it, it just looks special to me. But literally, what he is saying is, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You say, well, that's not much different. Yes, it is. In the English we translated, if you love me, keep my commandments like there's an option or it's an invitation. Hey, if you love me, will you keep my commandments? If you love me, can you keep my commandments? If you love me, do you think you might keep my commandments? No, it is a command of God. If you love me, then you will keep my commandments. Let me tell you the inverse or the reciprocal of that statement. If loving Jesus means keeping his commandment, then that means when we sin, we're not loving Jesus as we ought to. When I give in to temptation, when I give in to some enticement from the world that I know is sin, then in that moment, I'm not loving Christ, I'm loving myself. To have a godly personal practice, we may not just need to get to the altar of God and say, God, make me hate my sin more. We might be better off to utter a prayer, God, help me love you more. God, help me see you more. God, make yourself more clear to me that I might draw more near to you so that the sin might be vacated more from my life as I get more and more like you, Jesus. 
in that moment when I get mad at my wife and say that I some, something that I might not should say to her, it's not that I don't love her. It's that in that moment I'm not loving God like I should. When my kids act like the part of the family that my in-laws brought to the picture, I won't tell you which one, but you know. That sinful anger that I have on them, it's not because I don't love them, it's because I'm not loving God as I ought to in that moment. When I say things I ought not say and do things I ought not do, it's not just my sin that's a problem. It's that I'm showing God that I don't love him the way I ought to, that I don't understand him the way I ought to, that I'm not displaying the love for what he's done for me the way I ought to. And when you put it in that standard, you say, if I love you, Jesus, I will keep your commandments. And when I don't, I'm not practicing my love for you. And how many of us would ever want to say, I don't love God? And yet, when we go into those moments of sin and we don't practice what he's called us to do, it's exactly what we're telling him with our actions. Praise God that he's a gracious God. That even when I don't love him as I ought, he loves me beyond all understanding. And his grace is renewed with his mercies every morning. Let me tell you something, if 2022 wasn't marked by you keeping the commandments of Jesus the way you should, got good news for you. Today's a new day. This year's a new year. So what are you going to do with this opportunity? What will you do with your time? What will you do with your effort? And what will you do with your obedience? Because the only way that we're going to have the productivity that is possible to do the great works that Jesus has called us to it's through a life of prayer and a life of practice in doing what he called us to do. Let us pray. Father God, we stand before you broken and unable on our own. Oh, but Jesus, thank you for the blood of Christ. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your mercy, that even though we can't and even though we are broken, that God, you made a way where there was no way. And that because of you, Jesus, we can not just have life, we can have it more abundantly. We can not just serve, but we can serve to even greater works, Jesus. So use us. Father, remind us that we don't have knowledge, we don't have wisdom, we don't have direction, we don't have a path because we haven't asked for it, God, and help us to spend more time praying according to your word and your will and your way and your character, Jesus. That when we pray, it would be consistent with who you are, that you would grant us the greatest desires of our heart because our desires would line up with your own. And God, give us the courage and a conviction to practice what you've called us to. Every day, every moment, to love you and love you more. Jesus, it is in your precious, amazing, saving name that we pray. Amen. Please stand.
Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.